Welcome to another edition of Insight Analysis. I'm Peter White, and my guest today is Scott Kelly. Scott is the Portfolio Manager for the DNR Capital Australian Equities Income Fund. It's been a testing time for income funds. Welcome, Scott. Hi, Peter. How are you? What is the impact of COVID-19 on company dividends, and how are you managing? Sure. Well, COVID-19 has rapidly evolved into uh, the unexpected shutdown of large parts of the global economy. Uh, So far, about two-thirds of ASX 200 companies have either downgraded or withdrawn future earnings guidance due to the lack of visibility and uncertainty. So company dividends are also under pressure um, as management teams and boards respond to the disruption and uncertainty. And there's a number of key reasons for this. The first is immediate liquidity and balance sheet stress, particularly for companies with high levels of operational gearing or or high levels of debt that could see material impact on on profitability uh, or or solvency as a a result of the the disruption. So the ability to, to cancel, delay or suspend dividends can prove an important source of funding for those companies as, as, as they look to preserve balance sheets. We expect more companies to suspend the August-September dividend that we would normally expect, albeit perhaps more likely in sectors directly impacted by travel bans and shutdowns, you know, a lot of like travel companies, gaming companies, discretionary retail companies. Perhaps obviously there'll be earnings downgrades and typically dividends follow earnings. Uh, Since the previous peak of 20th February, expectations have revised earnings down around 20% or so, and and dividend projections have been cut by a similar quantum with with energy, industrials and financial sectors bearing the the brunt of those uh, negative revisions. The third area is is around um, dividend payout ratios, and and we we expect boards to to take this opportunity to to rebase payout ratios to levels that create less less pressure in the in in the future essentially this is what happened in the in the 2008 gfc where where payout ratios for industrials fell from around 80 percent to 70 percent payout ratios have been rising ever since 2010 whilst not quite at the pre 2008 gfc highs that they have been approaching back towards 80 percent so you know, clearly there's downside risk uh, there. And the final area, and, and associated with reduced payout ratios, is, is, is future, what I'd call future-proofing businesses. Uh, for the first time, you know, businesses have had to consider their, their solvency and liquidity position on virtually no revenue, and, and, and many businesses just, just weren't prepared for that. So looking forward, we think boards are likely to look at, at building up greater cash reserves than they previously carried in order to protect companies against future pandemics or black black swan events. Of course, the big four banks have been the traditional dividend payers. What do you make of the situation with the banks at the moment in terms of dividends, Scott? The banks' hands have largely been forced by APRA. They published a a letter to the boards of of Australian banks and insurers essentially outlining guidelines for for dividend payouts. And they said that uh, banks should seriously consider deferring decisions on the appropriate level of dividends and until the outlook is clearer or if boards still deemed it, it, it appropriate to, to approve dividends that they should be at a materially reduced level. NAB was the first bank to report under these guidelines and, and, and they raised three and a half bill in, in new capital and cut the dividend payout ratio to, to 35% which, which represented a cut of over 60% on the prior period, which is an annualised yield of, of less than 5% current prices. But following APRA's letter, we did expect that uh, you know there would be uh, deferral decisions and, and significant cuts 
uh, you know, CBA is still to report their dividend. They've got the luxury of not having to do that until till August. You know, our expectation there is that, that they'll cut their dividend in, in the region of, of 50%. And we think it's a, a reasonable likelihood that no dividend will be paid by, by either ANZ or, or Westpac, you know, over the next next few months as, as they look to, to rebuild capital because essentially the, the deferral of dividends or, or, or the non-payment of dividends helps build capital over that period of time. So we obviously didn't predict the pandemic, but we've had a view for a while that, that Australian bank dividends were, were unsustainable. Um, and as such, we've been substantially underweight the, the sector. Now that the values have reduced, are you looking at going back into the banks or are you sitting on the sidelines still? Our view is that we're happy to remain underweight. I think recent reporting really highlighted that capital positioning and bad debt provisioning was really where the focus of the markets are as the banks are preparing for, for the inevitable recession. And, and the major banks put aside collectively around $5 billion in top-ups for bad debts. That's at the lower end of expectations. Um, you know, Our view is that there'll be significant additional credit charges as the economic slowdown takes hold. There'll come a time to buy the banks again. It's just not yet. Given the banks are under safe haven at the moment for dividends, are there any dividend safe havens that you're looking at or favouring? We continue to argue that the markets have become very short term during this crisis and it's, it's difficult to value companies that, that have little short-term earnings but in our view therein lies the opportunity so with that as a caveat we definitely see some dividend paying stocks that are trading at attractive valuation these stocks offer a combination of stable dividends and, and dividend growth and, and capital management initiatives so you know the resources for example bhp and rio dividend yields are currently 50 percent higher than the market and that reflects uh, ongoing strong china demand and brazil supply constraints primarily and horizon is another good example and and, and is, is obviously linked to the resource sector and given cold demand is is showing resilience we think that stock with its regulated asset uh, on half the business and, and the other half with long-term contracts that supports a, a pretty stable earnings profile in addition a billion dollars a balance sheet capacity to deploy in, in, in capital management initiatives. It's it's yielding about 6% with 100% franking and trading at a substantial discount to other regulated asset and infrastructure peers. What about some companies beyond the resources and resources related sector? Any there that you like in terms of current dividends and likely future dividends? Aurora is a good example of a stock we acquired recently. It's uh, announced it, it, it intends to pay around 50 cents as a combination of special dividend and capital capital return plus around 10 cents, I think, of franking benefits uh, to investors by 30 June. That's a yield of 25% at current prices. Another good example is Amcor. That's a high quality defensive exposure, likely to generate modest but consistent earnings growth complemented by strong cash flows and, and, and capital management. We think that's another really attractive dividend paying stock right now. What about if a company's not paying a dividend? Is it totally off your radar or are you looking at companies that you have strong faith in even though they're not paying a dividend at the moment? You know, our portfolio holds a combination of companies that, that we classify as growers, compounders, cows and, and yielders. And look, we also own a couple of stocks that are unlikely to be paying a dividend in the next 12 months, but we're confident there is a clear path for 
for the dividend to be restored over the next three to five years, which is our investment horizon. A good example is Sydney Airport. Short-term disruption caused by COVID has provided a, an excellent opportunity to purchase a quality and defensive asset at an attractive valuation in, in our view. Finally, Scott, if you were to give a Twitter-length advice to investors in this time, what would that be? What would your sage but brief advice to investors going through this? I'm not on Twitter, Peter, but I'll do my best. Um, we expect company and dividends is- to fall by around 20% but we expect them to cover in the medium term and believe investors should be looking beyond the next year. We recommend identifying sustainable dividend opportunities because ultimately interest rates are going to be lower for longer, we think. And right now the yield on equities is around 4.5% plus franking benefits. That's on a two-year forward projected yield. And that's clearly very attractive compared with with alternatives. And similar to post-GFC, we'd expect uh, equity yields to be in focus against a backdrop of near zero interest rates and and varying degrees of unconventional monetary policy. Longer term, we still expect dividends will continue to be a large contributor to ASX 200 returns. You know, historically they've contributed about half of the index returns since around 1950, and they remain a key defensive investment component of Australia's market. At DNR, we're continuing to position the portfolio in in those high quality businesses that offer a combination of attractive yields and growth, franking benefits, but importantly, valuation support, because we think it's a diversified portfolio of those stocks should deliver a growing dollar income throughout the cycle. Scott Kelly, thanks for talking to us today. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate it.